It's wonderful to be here again. I feel like I'm just family. So blessed this morning, even meeting people, meeting folk. Um, it was just daunting walking in uh, the door this morning. Ken's been bigging up this event so much. I told him and his wife earlier on that expected me to walk on water. <laughs> up on the stage, I was expecting a little lake here. You know, and I was to walk on water, but... Um, it's amazing being here, and I just, I just want to thank you, every one of you, for the hospitality that you've shown to me and my wife. It's been amazing. Um, but I'm just going to pray for you. So, Lord Jesus, we just come before you tonight, Lord God. And, Lord, I need you. I need you at this moment. And, and Father, there's every one of us in this church, whether saved or unsaved, we need you. We need more of you in our lives. Lord, your word says that we must decrease and, Lord, that you would increase in, in some way tonight, Father God. And, Lord, I pray that you would use this testimony to encourage people, to, to save people, to lift up people, to deliver people. Lord, you use the testimony of someone else to save me. And, Lord, I just ask you, Father God, tonight that you would use my testimony to save many in this room tonight. And I ask this in the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So the Word of God tells us that before we were formed in our mother's room, that he knew us. I didn't know that growing up. You know when you meet somebody as Christians and you, you think they're utterly lost? You ever get, you're talking to somebody and they're just... There's people that's lost and then you meet somebody and they're utterly lost. And I would have considered myself one of those. From the earliest times, I would have thought of myself of just having no hope. I never felt my place in life. I actually, even though I had a family that loved me, I actually always felt like an orphan. And I can remember even two and three and four years of age feeling like that. At the age of six, we went to a Christian brother's. We'd been brought up in the Catholic faith. So we went to a Christian brother's school. And as I was in the Christian Brothers School, the, the headmaster used to abuse us uh, as boys. And at six, seven years of age, I found myself Mitchin school. Nobody misses Mitch's school at six or seven. You know, where we lived, the flat was right facing the gates of the, the Christian Brothers School. And I used to remember going in and just walking out the other side because of the abuse that was taking place within the school. So... I believe, you know, as I said, being utterly lost, I've never felt a home. I never felt love. I never felt anybody loved me. I feel I've always been at the the butt end of everybody's jokes. I've always felt rejected in my life. And that's the way I've always felt. At eight years of age, I was abused the second time, but this time I was by a lady. And this just messed me up totally. I grew up thinking, I don't want to live. If this is what life is truly about, I really just don't want to live. I don't want to carry on like this. I was the loneliest person on this planet. I could be in a room full of people and just feel utterly and totally alone. And uh, this carried on for many years. And At the age of 11, I joined a boxing club, and I loved the boxing. I was a boxer. You wouldn't think it to look at me now, but I was a boxer. I used to have a six-pack <laughs> when I was 11. <laughs> I'm getting a heavenly body, but 
All's going to be restored. Um, yeah, so at the age of 11, I joined the boxing club, and I loved the boxing, and it kept me out of trouble. And I carried on in the boxing for years, and I was doing well in it. But at the age of 15, I started to smell myself. I started to look at women. Well, actually, I started to look at women at 11 because I was abused. And it was all over the place. At 11 years of age, I should have been playing with action men. And I was down the field with girls who were probably abused like myself and didn't know what this was all about. So my innocence was robbed at a fairly young age. You know, I didn't know sexual sexuality. I hadn't got a clue about it. I was all over the place. Before I was 17, I had three kids from two different women. Uh, two and one. That was, I had my first kid at 15. But at 15 years of age, I found myself at a crossroads in my life. And I had a group of mates that done the boxing and that was into sports and all of that. And I had another group of mates that sniffed glue and robbed cars and chased girls and all of that. And their life just looked so much more exciting. And me being the man with the supernatural intellect that I am and the wonderful wisdom when start robbing cars and sniffing glue, and just this took me down a really, really bad road. Throughout my life, I, as I said, I've, I've never felt at home. Never felt I fitted in. I was like, you know them kids' games that you get all the shapes and you put the, the, the circle into the, you know, whatever. <laughs> circle. I'm supposed to go into the circle, but it didn't. I never felt my place in life. So I never thought about my life. I, I always thought, well, I'm going to be dead before I'm 18, so it doesn't really matter. So I'm just going to live as wrecked as I want. Uh, I was hopeless, I was suicidal, I was depressed, uh, and I was really dark. I've been in hospital seven times for extreme violence. I've had a slash hook across my skull uh, twice. I've had a depressed fracture in my skull on two different occasions, and uh, I've been dead about 20 times in my life. So I went through life thinking, well, my life's no good. I'm going to be dead, so I'm, as I said, I'm just going to live recklessly. And at the age of 17, a man came. I was fighting with this gang from, from Dublin. And this man came down the laneway where we lived and he took out a sawn-off shotgun. And uh, he walked up to me. It was in a dark alleyway. No lights around. And he says, you're dead now, Hammy. And at that moment, he just let a rip with a sawn-off shotgun. And he was only about a foot and a half away from me. And... Uh, he let, her, he, let her, he let her go. He let the son of shotgun go. And it was a dark alleyway. And you know, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't think that I was going to be destined for anything, never mind a good, clean living Christian. It didn't fit into my sort of portfolio at the time that this is what I want to be in life. To me, it was life, live, death. That's basically the way I lived. I didn't care, no fear, I would have fought anybody. And I'm not saying that as a boast, because it's quite foolish to act like that, because there's bigger blokes out there. But I would, uh, I would have fought anybody. So uh, when your man came down the lane, right, he says, you're dead now, and he let her rip with the sawn-off shotgun. 
And as I said, like, I didn't think God had a plan for my life. I didn't think God was interested. We've been brought up as Catholics to believe that God is God of the distance. You know, God is not close to you. God's not actually interested because you're dirty, you're a foil, you're a sinner. As the Christian brother used to be abusing me, he used to scream at me, you're filthy, you're foil. It's actually you that's making me do this to you. So I grew up with that idea of God. Do you know what I mean? Because in the South, when we grew up as, as Catholics, we would see these men as gods. If somebody was dying, instead of ringing the ambulance, you'd ring the priest. If there was a fight in the house, you'd ring, ring the priest before you'd ring the police. The priest was God in their towns. So we were brought up thinking, well, God's not really that interested in us because we're dirty, we're foil, we're sinners. And he's ready to bait us over the back of every turn. So um, when your man shot me, the pellets came out, and they came out like millions of, of little lights. And this is the truth. He was only there. And I'm looking at these pellets, and they're, they're coming from me heart. And it was about that size. And I seen it, and it's coming, and it's coming. And I got about 100 mil away from me heart. And all of a sudden, it turned. And I'm looking at this in slow motion. And I'm looking at the millions of pellets going up and actually over me head. And I know that to be now the God, the hand of God. The hand of God. See, before he, before I was formed in my mother's room, he knew me. I was never meant to settle into this world. I was never meant to feel a home in this world. Because this world is not my home. That's the truth. I know these things now. I was never meant to feel at home. I came home at 34 years of, play, uh, years of age. I found my home. I found my place in society when I found Jesus. Amen. I found my life in Jesus when I was 34 years of age. That was the hand of God. You know, they say the devil doesn't know your future. But I think he sees what's going on in your life. How did he survive that? How did he survive that? Why is he not dead? I put him into this. I've done this. I've sent them to do this. I've sent them to do that. And he's still alive. I used to have murderers coming up to hospital to me saying, Hammy, God must have a plan for your life. You shouldn't be here. You should be dead. Nobody survives being uh, shot at point blank range with a son of shotgun. Not a foot and a half. Nobody survives getting cracked over the skull with a, a slash hooker, sickle. Nobody survives being stabbed in the back, pinching your main artery. Nobody survives these things unless God has a plan for your life. I know people that were shot in Dublin in the leg and in the ankle and they end up dying. I've been shot twice on two different occasions at point blank range. I've been in a coma four months the second time I was shot. Lad came in the door and he says, Are you Tommy? And I answered, Yes. <laughs> that was full of wisdom, wasn't it? <laughs> Just a hint. Somebody comes into your house wearing a balaclava and they ask you, Are you on? <laughs> if you're the owner, just say no. 
She's in there. Full of wisdom, but isn't it? Oh. Balaclava, donkey jacket. Are you the owner of the house? No. But this is the thing. He shot me twice. He shot through me. And I have a big hole in my stomach. He shot me with like a dum-dum bullet. It was supposed to go through me and rip me to pieces, but it didn't. Because God had a plan. Amen. I took about 25 overdoses in my life. I've been dead, honestly, about 20 times. I visited hell on one of those occasions. I was only saved. I was a new Christian. I was in a church that was a bit wackadoodle. <laughs> Anybody know them wackadoodle churches? <laughs> They're out there. Now, but I was in, I'm after coming from a life of crime, trouble, everything deception, lawyers, deceit, murder. And I came into the church and I didn't see much difference apart from the murder. And it screwed me up a little bit. And I went to church one Sunday and I looked and they were honouring this, that or the other. And I says, this is, this is not what I'm reading in my Bible. I'm reading the truth here and this is not matching up. What's going on? Is this what I'm learning about? And I went out and I, I, I went I says, if that's, what if that's what Christianity is all about, I don't want any of it. And I went out and I got some cocaine and I got some heroin and I mixed it. And I put it into me and I died. I died four times throughout the night. And one of the times that I, I believe I was dying, I, I woke up in hell. And the word of God tells us that there's going to be mocking and, and, and scoffing in hell. And I was like, when I woke up in hell, I was on this plat, um, like a bench. But I'm sort of tied to it. I couldn't move. And all around me, there's, 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 there's these mutterings and scoffing and people mocking me saying, he trusted Jesus and he's here with us. And at the top of my voice, I start screaming, Oh, Jesus, 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 forgive me. Forgive me. I'm sorry for doing this for you, on you. And uh, I just came out of it. Next day, the doctor came up to the hospital to me and he says, He says, Look, he says, I don't know how you're here this morning. He says, You died four times last night. He says, uh, That monitor couldn't understand the rate your heart was going. The machine was going all over the place. He, he says, your heart should be all over that wall. And uh, he says, I've took off a half a day to come in here. He says, what I seen last night with you was, it was beyond medical comprehension. God had a plan. I don't think that was the devil trying to pull me out. But I believe that night God was saying to me, look at Tommy, is that the life you want? I'm after saving you out of so much. And you may not get on with your brothers and sisters, but are you choosing that over me? And I believe it was God. And I have never, that was the first year in which I was saved. I have never took a drug. I have never drank. I love Jesus. And I loved Jesus then. I was born again. I was born again at that time. 
I had an amazing encounter. I was a heroin addict. I told some of you this morning. I was a heroin addict. I was a cocaine. I was on methadone 15 years. Hopeless. Hopeless case. Never thought I could get clean. In 11 rehabs. Done every rehabilitation program in the south of Ireland. I have the diplomas. (laughs) None of them worked. None of them worked. 11 times I've been in different rehabs and different courses and different this. I've been to see psychiatrists, psychologists, counsellors. I've done it all. Never worked for me. It never worked for me. The second time I was shot, your man came in to the house, as I said, and asked me, was I Tom? And he says, yes. But I was dying then, and I knew I was dying. I've been depressed through drugs. I've cut myself and done all sorts of crazy things to try to stop me from living. So I know what it is to be depressed. I really do. I know what it's like to be in, in deepest, darkest anguish. I know what it is to be in that place. But when I was dying that night, and I've been lonely in my life, before the drugs, but when I was dying that night, I knew I was going to a last eternity. I had my wife praying in the corner, two teams of paramedics around me, uh, and I knew I was dying. It's the loneliest, loneliest place I've ever been. It was like I was in the the corridor between here and eternity. It's the only way I can describe it. And I knew I was facing, because of what I'd done, I was facing the last eternity. I knew it. You know, the Bible says that the eternity is in, in the heart of every man and woman, isn't it? It is. And I knew I was dying. And I prayed out to God and I says, God, just give me one more chance and I'll make this right. If you just give me one more chance, I will make this all right. And I'll stop doing drugs and I'll stop messing around and I'll stop. I was like a dun. I was a vicious, foil, wicked man. I was like a bull staff. If I was fighting you, I had to hear something break before I let you go. That's the way I was. I was brought up to be a gangster. My upbringing had gangsterism all over it. First time I went out to do something, I was only 15 or 16 years of age, a group of men knocked me up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go into the city centre and murder somebody. And it was me that was doing the murder. I've been raised to live that life. And all I ever wanted to be was that. I only wanted to be, I seen the gangsters around it. I seen the honour and the respect that I thought you were getting. And I wanted some of that because nobody had ever given it, given it to me. And I reached the ranks of all of that. I mixed around with people that were total murderers. Best mate of mine had 26 murders under his belt. Well, not me best mate, an acquaintance of mine. Life was nothing to him. Nothing to him. So uh, God granted me my wish. And he saved me. I got out of hospital after four months being in a coma. And uh, I was off the cigarettes. I was off the drink. 
but I wasn't born again. I'm just getting off drinking, stopping smoking and taking drugs. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't fill the emptiness in your life. It does, it's just, stop. I was taking drugs to actually make me feel a bit better on me living. Every one of us have a, an emptiness, a void in our lives. Every one of us are broken. You know, you could wake up in the morning and you have a beautiful wife lying beside you in bed. You go downstairs and, you know, uh, you look out the window and you have a beautiful car in the garden. And then you go over and pick the mail out and then you get your bank statement and you have loads of money in the bank. Still there's something missing. Still you're asking yourself, what is this all about? Why am I here? Do you ever feel like that? So, uh, me being the wise man that I am, after God doing all of those things for me, do you think I stood off the drugs? No. I wasn't born again. I hadn't received the Spirit of God into my heart. So a few years after that, about three years later, I got worse on the drugs because I was racked with fear. Somebody came to murder me this time and I didn't know who it was. So I lived with that for three years and I just kept taking more drugs. After being clean, I just started doing more drugs and more drugs and more drugs. And uh, I was in a Christian house one night trying to get my head together. And uh, there was a testimony on this TV. And this testimony was from a UVF head. And I wasn't really interested, if I have to be honest with you, because I would have considered him from the dark side. They says I'm wearing a blue, white and red shirt tonight so I can talk anything. But the people that I hung around about and my opinions on things like that would have really considered him from the dark side, an enemy, a vile, horrible person. And, uh, and I, I wasn't listening to him, but at the end of his story, he just said something. And it just, it just brought me to my knees. I was looking at this man, and he was going on about killing people and being on drugs and doing drink and living a hopeless life, and I wasn't that interested. I have to be honest with you. And then he says at the end of his testimony, he says, look at he says, I picked up a drug to be a man and it never made me a man. He says, I picked up a, a drink trying to be a man and it never made me a man. He says, I used to run around with guns thinking I could be, really be the, a, a man and it never made me a man. And he says, it was only when I picked up the Bible I found out I could be the man that God wants me to be. It was only when I picked up the word of God I found out I could be the man that God wants me to be. And I shared some of this this morning. At that moment, I fell on my knees. Just fell on my knees and started weeping like a baby. And I didn't weep. I was a hard man. Big boys don't cry and all that. I was a hard man. And here I am, bawling, and I'm not talking like... <laughs> I'm talking like big baby, toothache. 
crying, bawling. Jesus, Jesus, forgive me. And I looked up as I was repenting. And I seen Jesus on the cross. And as I said, I never felt love. All I ever felt was rejection and loneliness and everything else that goes with that. And I looked up and all I could see was love. I can't explain it. It was just love without judgment. And I knew at that moment that it was my sin and the, the life that me and had put him on that cross. That he done what he done just for me and me alone. That I was the only one that mattered in his world at that moment in time. And he was showing me the extent of his love by dying for my sins. And I used to come to Jesus, as I said, for many things. Jesus, get me my wife back. Jesus, heal me of my diseases. Jesus, get me off drugs. Jesus, get me petrol for the car. Jesus, get me money in my bank. But I never came to Jesus for forgiveness. John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus, he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners of which I was the worst. I don't know what situation you find yourself in tonight. What has grips of you. But I know Jesus Christ can set you free. I know Jesus Christ can heal you of all your diseases. I know Jesus can put joy in your heart that you never want to walk or never have to walk in darkness. This is the Jesus I'm talking about. I used to be in a Christian church. I have to share this. I used to believe I was born again. I couldn't get it into my head about Jesus dying for my sins. I could believe in Moses taking him over the Red Sea. I could believe in the creation story. But Jesus dying for me? How can a man that lived 2,000 years ago have actually any impact on my life today? It's crazy, isn't it? Like you're asking me to put my trust in this man that walked the air 2,000 years ago, claiming to be the Son of God, God in flesh, and that if I put my faith in him, my life will change. That I will receive joy into my dark heart. That he will illuminate the darkness with his glorious light. That he will love me with this love that resonates from every fiber of my being. It's a hard one to get. Bible says, taste and see. Taste and see that God is good. God is good. He's good all the time. He's good all the time. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose for your life. You know, when I was shot the second time, do you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to get away from wicked men. I had got myself caught up with political people. And I was trying, I seen what they were. What type of, I have to be honest with you. I seen what type of people they were and how they lived. And I didn't like it. 
And I said to my wife, I need to get away from these people. And four years later, they came in to shoot me because of what I know. But you know something? God saved me. God saved me. As I said, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know whether you're depressed, whether you're bound, whether you're sick. But I'm telling you tonight about this God that I serve. And he's amazing. He can change things in your life. As I said, we know when I was shot and in this fear, the Bible says when when a man's ways are pleasing to God, he will scatter your enemies. All those people are gone out of my life. Probably dead because you reap what you sow. I was shocked, not because I was a... Not because I was a... Just trying to find a word here. Any different than anybody else. I used to sell guns. Bible says that you reap what you sow. I was sown into murder and murder came upon me. But you know, Jesus broke the course over my life. And my life is never going to be the same. Now into eternity. And I believe that God has sent me here with a message of hope to those that don't know him tonight. I don't know where you're here at tonight or whether you've heard this before. I shared this morning about this man. He was 70 years of age. He's in church since he's five. Methodist in the morning, Pentecostal at night, and he didn't know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. 65 years in church. And I shared the gospel with him, and he says, I've never heard forgiveness shared the way you're after sharing it. No conditions, just love. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have eternal life. Do you want to receive what I received 17 years ago tonight? Do you want to be free from the things that bound you? I share that I was sexually abused. It doesn't have any toys on me now. Man or woman. I was abused by a Christian brother. I was abused by a woman. It does not have any effect on me. I meet people, men, especially men, that have been abused by uncles, fathers, mothers, and are bound, suicidal, carrying this shame. Because the shame attached to that. People that do that to you push shame on you. He do this. If you, you're making me do this, that's what he told me. You're making me do this. If you weren't a nobody, a sinner, I wouldn't be doing this to you. I don't have any shame attached to that. Honestly, I'm free in Jesus. It doesn't have any hold on, on me anymore. I don't have to feel suicidal. I don't have to feel dirty because of it. Because Jesus has washed me. Amen. So I don't know where you are at tonight, if you're carrying anything, but why not finish off this night glorious? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I mean it, the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians, don't just presume that you're in the faith. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. If the trumpet was to blow tonight, are you going to glory? 
Are you going to heaven? Have you got that full assurance in your heart that if Jesus Christ was to come back tonight that you are going to be with him into all eternity? Do you have that in your heart tonight? If you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, if you are carrying anything from your past, let this be tonight the end date. The end of that and the start of something glorious. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, no, Paul says, I implore you. He says, I implore. Do you know what that means? It's like this lad goes running up the oil there and I'm hanging on to his sock. I'm saying, please, I beg you, know this Jesus that I'm talking about. Know this Jesus, I beg you, I'm not letting you go until you know this Jesus that I'm talking about. That's what that means. I beg you, to receive this Jesus. Amen. Don't walk through this life any longer bound by the things of this world. Don't be bound by what people have put on you. The abuse that you've suffered at the, the hands of others that you've been carrying for generations and generations. Let this tonight be an end date to that. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for newness? Are you ready for this? Jesus wants to love you. He wants to know you. He wants to free you. And he wants to give you his life tonight, that resurrection life. If you don't know Jesus Christ, with all heads bowed, let's just not embarrass people. With all heads bowed, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to know him, You would like to know that your sins are forgiven. No matter what you have done in life, your sins have been forgiven. Do you want to know tonight that you are going to spend eternity with him in heaven? If this is you tonight in this room, I beg you to know Jesus. With a simple act of faith, would you put your hand up and say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know tonight that my sins are forgiven. That Jesus has washed away all my sins with his precious blood. If you're in this place tonight, would you please put up your hands. Put up your hands to Jesus. This is your day. Behold, this is the day of your salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let this moment move. Don't let this moment move. Maybe you're in this place tonight and you've been bound by some of the things that I've talked about. Maybe you're here tonight and you you cannot get away from that abuse that you suffered at the hands of others, that addiction that you secretly struggle with. Can we believe in, in Jesus to free you from that tonight? Amen. I'm going to just pray this prayer. And I'm going to just invite those who are, who are broken that just need a touch from God tonight. 
after the end of this sermon, just to come up as we, as we worship the Lord and just receive from God. Oh, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Father God, that you would move on every heart in this room. Yes, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Father God, that you would rise up tonight, that you would tear down strongholds, Lord God, that you would deliver and set free in this place tonight. Yes, Lord, you are in the business of saving the lost, the broken, the battered and the bruised, the depressed, Father God, the addicted, Lord Jesus. You are in the business of of setting them free. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, just to move on hearts in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, I just come before you and I pray for everybody here.